Okay, uno, dos, tres. Cuatro. In a world where writers, directors, producers, and actors are all fighting to get their films made, comes a podcast that gets into it like no other podcast has ever gotten into it before. So, this summer, hang on to your laptops, because this time, there's no rewrite. Starring Mark Ice Roberts, Rod Tuddy Rinks, and on the ones and twos, Justin Wings Nichols. Let's get into it. Rated R, under 17, not permitted without a parent. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Let's Get Into It. Today we're going to get into it. We are. Uh, we already kind of got into it a little bit before the show. We've been into it for like an hour. Yeah. But but, um, but what's really cool... Is that I get to come back to my own show? About today is that I get to welcome you back to your own show. Welcome back. Thank you. I know you, you had to work. You. We explained to everybody that you actually have a real job. And I got to I got to actually split in like about five minutes. You got to leave in five <laughs> minutes. Seriously. I was thinking about how cool it is to get into conversations about how to get your movie made. Yeah. This podcast was put together by you. Yeah. You wanted to uh, uh, talk about film. It just started off you and I talk about the same thing for over a decade. And I was like, you have a wealth of knowledge that somebody like me could use or other people out there like me could use. And you weren't into it. You're like, ah, nah, 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 nah. And then next thing you know, you're like a host now. You're like well, a look, podcast host. doing it without you. I know. You, you told me today. Think well, look, look how exciting this is. You, we started the podcast. You started your 10,000-hour movie. Yeah. Uh, we had Joel High on. What's Joel High doing now? Joel High is now supervising music supervisor movie, on yeah. your movie. Yep. Clay Epstein, Clay, who yeah. is a uh, film distributor at Film Mode, yeah. he came in. Yep. He's giving you advice about your movie. Yep. I mean, these are all like mini meetings. Yeah. Right? You're yeah, having little yeah. meetings with people, yeah. and you're enrolling them in, yeah. and getting excited about what Met you're doing. Met with Nahara on Monday. We're going to be doing some you're stuff You're doing something together. with Nahara. He yeah. was on the podcast. Yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say, it's about realizing that you're having people here. We're meeting with them. Yeah. They're little meetings where you're discussing your movie and yeah. getting them excited about your movie. And out of this comes a relationship that may benefit you and your movie, and it may benefit them. And we're all in the same boat. Like, what yeah, I've noticed we is we're all like, Joel was a filmmaker. Clay was a filmmaker. I'm a filmmaker. You're a filmmaker. You know, all, there's there's a creative force behind everything we're talking about. And we're yeah. all kind of like, you know, we're all, we branch off into different areas. I'm a makeup artist by trade. I got to go do Lopez's makeup in about five minutes. Right. He's going to be breaking my balls any minute. Right. Where are you, Tony, on the phone? I just want to say, if you're thinking about maybe I should or shouldn't, do it. Yeah. Have that conversation. Enroll someone. Get people excited about what you're doing. And they may turn around and, like in Tootie's case, end up working with you to make your little film better. Yeah. It'll, it could happen. Hey, it's happening you know, here. Yeah, it is. But actually- like, In real time. But none of those guys said anything other- uh, I had to show him something. Like, Joel read the script, and then he got back to me. He didn't say right away, I'll do that. You know what I mean? He said, yeah. well, let me read the script if it's something I'm- I'm not saying he, it's just because of the podcast. I'm saying that it is a very good way- to meet people, yeah, and and it's a good thing that you're a good pitcher because they're getting excited about and what I you're doing. And I thank you for this. Robert. They re, well, you're welcome. They believe that there's talent there, and they're uh, ending up working yeah. with you. So I think uh, to something Crue, to be learned from this podcast. I got, I go back to Montley Crew. I told you this in the beginning when we started this band. All we needed needed was a laugh. <laughs> Years gone by. I say we kick some ass. Bam! There we go. Crazy, Nick. Oh, man. <laughs> crazy. Well, <laughs> that's the bridge of one of the songs. That, that, uh, that is. Is yeah. that what they call it? I don't yeah. even know. Well, is that a bridge? Yeah. All, All right. right. The reviews are pouring in too. A new one today. These guys are the real deal. Oh, oh us? Five star. Yeah. What? That's just what right happened? Now. 
We got five stars, player. The reviews are coming in on iTunes. Just oh, wow. People loving it. Thanks, Very Dave. Exciting. Appreciate that. These guys are casual. <laughs> They're casual, sometimes hilarious. No, that's bullshit. That's always. Come on. You're, come you can't on. can't be always hilarious. But uh, Wings Nichols is here. Thanks for being here, buddy. No problem. Uh, Tootie's back. Welcome yep. back. Davey Dave, minute, thanks for being here. Uh, I want to talk about extreme music. Yes. This is very exciting. We have um, co-founder, CEO of Extreme Music, Russell Emanuel. Did I say that right? Did I say that you right? You said it right. Okay, yeah. good. Well, Mark's wealth of knowledge to an empty wallet of knowledge. <laughs> well, I doubt empty wallet. I've read the bio. Yeah. Apparently, you sold this company for quite a bit of dough. <clears throat> I saw the Rolex. It's nice. I'm, cu- I'm curious. Did... Um, once you once you sold it yes. and then it sold to Sony, did it sell for lots of money to Sony? Of course, yes, it did. Yeah, more yeah. than more than what it originally sold for. Mm, yes, oh. allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, yeah. that's a good way to put it. <laughs> what we're here to talk about today is, I have really believed in music libraries for a long time as a producer. I've used them. I used them on Mexico's Next Top Model. The entire thing was from Extreme Music Library. Uh, I just did a documentary called. Love and Betrayal. Mm. It's a true crime thing. Uh, every song in there, even my title song, is from Extreme Music. Wait, am I paying for this? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the exciting thing is that they do lots of stuff. But before I get into all of the things that Extreme Music uh, does, I want to get into Russell Emanuel's life. Because you had a very interesting life. And honestly, you really are providing a service that's super valuable to television uh, film and all all sorts of media, and um, and we're going to get into how even now you're you know you guys are composing with Hans Zimmer for huge shows and huge movies. Right. So, uh, tell me about how you got started. You know, back a long time ago when dogs were still fish, <coughs> you know, I, I had this kind of dream to play guitar, and uh, that was kind of frowned upon at British boarding schools. I left very early at fifteen. Uh, no real qualifications. Um, spent a short period of time in the military and then was a sound engineer. Um, various studios in London, including Abbey Road. And You were there. a wow. sound engineer yes. at Abbey That's Road? That's amazing. <laughs> Who was going through there at the time? Oh, I mean, you know, the usual suspects. I mean, George Martin, yeah. you know, oh all those God. guys. Yeah. I mean, it was the 70s. I was 16 years old, so it was back in the 70s. So it was a great time. Yeah, a good time for music. Yeah, it was a great time for music. It was an amazing place to be. Um, but unlike the, all of the other people starting around me at that time, I quickly realized that being locked away in a studio wasn't what I wanted to do. Right. Which a lot of people is what they wanted. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I'm very good at it. I probably wasn't that great at it. Right. Um, and I did it really to kind of support my love of playing guitar and, and wanting to be a musician. Right. So when you left there, I know that you spent a long uh, time as a band manager. Yeah, I, I did everything, really. I was just hustling. I think, in all honesty, I was a proficient musician, not a great musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, still play. Um, but, uh, you know, it probably dawned on me very quickly that these kind of people playing around me were incredible. Did you ever sit in with a band that you were on tour with? Oh, yeah, and um, all the time. Um, and I toured with some bands that I had absolutely no business being involved with as well. Oh, yeah? Because I was kind of, you know, I, a friend of mine was, was a drummer and a fixer at the time, and I remember 
um, the stylistics were coming through to do a, a Air Force base oh, wow. tour of the UK, and they needed a bass player. And crazily enough, he goes, hey, you can do this. I, I'm too Jewish to play <laughs> with the stylistics. Um, but I do remember rehearsing really hard, practicing, practicing uh, for a few weeks. And I thought, okay, I can just hold this down. And then they came in to rehearse. The band actually arrived from America and they yeah. came in to rehearse. And, they, and the singers were all face, facing us for the first day of rehearsal. And I remember doing the, playing the first numbers, the big intro, and just as they were about to start singing, they did the spin. Oh. And they spun around oh. there. And I just lost it. Completely yeah. lost it, laughing. And, <laughs> and uh, it, it, I couldn't hold it. But, you know, I needed to take five to right. that again. And then, so that hadn't started very well. And then 10 minutes later, we're playing the song. And they start to go, and on drums. And they introduce the drummer. He does an incredible solo. And on keyboards. And he's, you know, riff, you know shredding this yeah, yeah. great solo. I go, oh, shit, it's coming. He's going to want me to do a bass solo. And Russell Emanuel. And Russell Emanuel on bass. I say, I can, I'm only just about holding this song down. Right. Um, did you did you solo? Uh, I don't think solo no. is the word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Solo, so they couldn't hear you, right? It was solo. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I was... Fired. And that was, you know, yeah. and that was the end of your, um, that was the end of my soul career. Well, I, you know, music is a big part of everyone's life, you know, whether you listen to it or you play guitar or you're in choir, like, you know, we're all sort of connected to one way or the other. That's really cool that you spent some time mixing and, and, and being an engineer. And then you went on the road with some pretty cool bands. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that I remember we would rent facilities to to edit our movies or our TV shows, and you'd go into those facilities, and there was a wall of CDs. And you would go to that wall, and it'd be like comedy CD or drama CD or action CD. Right. That's old school, Robert. Yeah. That's like- yeah, but this is where it began, wow. right? You would go there, and I'd say, and I remember talking to the post house and saying, like, can I? Is it okay if I use this for my my project? Sure. Yeah. It's it's we've already bought it. So in some cases it would work, in some cases it would not. It was very difficult because you had to find the tracks, you had to listen to all of them, and it was labor intensive because you had to grab the CD, pull out the CD, put the CD in, right? Then ingest the CD. Like all this stuff was not easy to do back then. No. Right? And think about how it was when it was vinyl and, and quarter inch tape. Yeah. I mean, that was nuts. So did they do libraries like that? On vinyl? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Wow. Well, you had to, in the right? the 70s and before well, that. When did it start, this whole library of music thing? Reportedly in the 40s. I wasn't. So well, you could. A lot of people think I was around. But, <laughs> no, but, you're uh, a young man. You're a young man. So in the 40s, <sighs> you, could, you could buy an album and use those tracks well, it was, for your show? Yeah, at the time it was in answer to, the you know, people wanted to relicense hit just like they do now. Right. They wanted the hit of the day and it was unaffordable. You know, for th- at that time, I think it was sheet music that you, right. you were renting and paying for the rights for. And then you um, would go record that. You'd go record that. Exactly. Wow. There's still a publisher and a writer at the end of the day. Nothing's changed there. Right. Um, you know, my experience was when I was, again, when I was working in the mailroom of this um, library that was producing on vinyl, um, what would happen was we would send the vinyl out to all these post-production houses back in the UK. They would audition tracks and then they would phone us and order that track once they'd selected it 
on quarter-inch tape because they needed it to transfer right. it then onto mag or whatever they were doing. What a pain. It was a, wow. You know, the, the whole process would take a week. Right. Um, that was cinema. Like, that was like yeah. the, that was the, that's the art that like Scorsese and those guys talk about. Now you just go, go on your computer. You, it's so easy. I do it on my iPhone when I do little videos and try stuff. Yeah, try yeah. that. Try, try, yeah, try you, that. You, like the iPhone, you have the um, iMovie. Uh, yeah. You know the little videos I do sure. for the, I do like Instagram. Sure. Me combing my hair, but. It's so easy. You could do, do it like that. And you, <laughs> yeah. and you put and you put nice music on. I do, but yeah. it's so yeah. I mean, yeah. just pick, plug and play. So here's uh, your, here's you know what though, Roberts. Mm. I gotta go. All right, buddy. Well, listen, Davey, Dave, sit in. What'd you? I know, but <laughs> yeah, get Davey, in here. Hop in there. Um, yeah. um, all right, we'll see you later. Take care of Mario. You now know, we can the, really get we'll, down to yeah. business. No, yeah, Thank we you. were just waiting to. Yeah. Oh, now we're gonna talk about the good stuff. We're gonna start over. Yes. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Now we're going to get into the really interesting part about oh. it. So the libraries. We're going to make that, libraries really interesting. Yeah, this, is, this is actually fascinating, uh, maybe just to me. But um, the, the, you had the library on vinyl. That was complicated. People had to pick them, then order them, then you had to deliver it a week later. Right. Um, then the CDs came out, which were, you know, I don't know that they were considered top quality music. Yeah. I think they were just sort of. Something that you can use to temp your product in the 90s and early 2000s. It wasn't really like, this is quality. This is high-level stuff. No, because I think that library music had kind of suffered from this um, reputation of it's where composers go to die. and Or alternatively, it's where composers that couldn't quite make it, you know, went to have a career. Right. Um, Thankfully... The industry has changed dramatically. Yeah, it has um, changed. We, and gosh, you know, I don't want to sound arrogant at all about this, but we were very lucky with our timing. It was, it, you know, it sounds like some master plan, but we came in with a mission to create a production music library at the same values as any commercial la- label. And you did. And used, and used the real deal composers. Yeah, and you did. Um, just to keep the timeline straight, so... In the 90s, there was CDs. In the 2000s, there was still CD. Um, it would come out every quarter. You could buy like the new whatever it was, right? Is, was it every quarter? Right. It was different for us in the UK, but I know about yeah, this model. It was, quarter, right? yeah. Yeah. Subscription and, kind yeah, of. Yeah. They'd send you like your new uh, drama tracks, right. your new comedy tracks. And they even they even went as far as to be like your new slapstick comedy tracks, right? right? So it was always like a certain kind of music and they were interesting and you could use them and they were fine, but they weren't high quality. When did you decide to get into the business of extreme music? Um, well, it was late 96, early 97. Um, Myself and my then partner Dolph Taylor, who was the drummer in Stiff Little Fingers, who I was managing at the time. Oh, nice! We, we, you know, it was time. We needed a real job, essentially. Um, And because we'd kind of had a history with library music, a long detached history, but nevertheless, the checks had kept coming. um, Said, okay, well, let's go and look at that. And and um, you know, it wasn't some master plan. It was just the fact that we decided to do production music and all our friends were really out there doing it. Did you, you know, see think, an opportunity? Did you see a gap? I don't know. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah. Like, you know, remembering it now is such a blur. It was a lot of work and, you know, crazy bootstrapping of a yeah. company. But, but you know, I remember Dave Stewart did one of our first albums, produced that, and Chucho Machan from the Eurythmics. And, um, you know, 
the guys behind Massive Attack. So uh, you started thinking bigger. You started thinking, let's do these tracks, but let's make them really great. Well, it was just our world. We didn't know how to do it the other way around. Right. And, and it seemed obvious. Well, you know, if you've got a composer who's just emulating styles, is one day doing jazz and the next day he's doing heavy metal, that can't be good. So, you know, when we, when we attack a style of music, we'll go to the guys that are really doing it. Right. Um, and, you know, it, do, it, it so doesn't sound like rocket science right. when you talk about it now. But at the time, it was an industry born out of a few guys, a stable of composers that would get all of the work. Right. Therefore, it ended up sounded not authentic. Well, we'll get into what an enormous business it is now. But, um, but let's continue here because I think... My ex-wife might be listening. Let's listen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how you started this uh, was very indie of you. Um, you started small. It wasn't like you started with millions of dollars. No. Right? So you started with a small investment with someone who believed in you and what you were up to and that the future of this was actually much brighter because apparently you did not know that it was like uh, going to turn into this big huge yeah, thing. No idea. Yeah. Tell me about the beginnings. Um, well, we were introduced to um, Mark Levinson back in the UK, and he was a VC slash lover of music. Um, he started a publishing company called Palan Music back back then. It was a small company based in Camden Town, the old Stiff Records building. Mm -hmm. It was super cool, very grungy. Mm -hmm. You know, if you like your heroin pure, you're in the right area. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um and I remember, and he owned some clothing brands, Kango, and he had a big part of the success of Pokemon cards, and he was very diverse. How great far guy. into extreme music were you at this point? One day. Well, okay, <laughs> good. Okay, one day. <laughs> one, day. You, one day you were conceiving like this. We is were conceiving, yeah, do. we Got yeah, it. we want to do a library with this, you know, uh, with real guys, and you we've got a bunch Mark. of friends. We, and a friend of mine said, "You got to meet this guy. He's cool." Right. So he sent me up to his office, and I remember going up there. And he goes, I tell him the the thirty second pitch, which was literally all I had, which is what I just gave you. Right. And he said, How much do you need? And I go, Oh shit, I have no idea. And uh, I went into his boardroom. He gave me, I think, an hour to kind of work it out. Figure it out. Phone yeah. my partner. I go, Okay, what do we need? What do we need? And I mean, you know, well, we need a phone, and uh, we need a DAT machine and a cassette player, and can we get a computer? And let's slide a salary in there. <laughs> and uh, oh yes, can we get a salary? I'm not sure. And um, I remember going in and, and giving him the number, and I was, was like, oh, "We're never going to get this." And right. I said, uh, "We're going to need about hundred thousand dollars for the first year." And he, and he goes, couldn't write that check fast enough. Like, I'm sure. Can you right? start Monday? I think this was Friday. Can you start <laughs> Monday? Um, and uh, so Mark became your partner. He became a partner and was an amazing, amazing partner. Super supportive. Yeah, he knew what he had. You know, we was. We were clearly naive. Yeah. Um, had, you know, apart from hustling on the road, zero business experience. Right. But that's, yeah. uh, that's very indie, right? That's how you start businesses. You think, uh, you know, if you haven't raised millions of dollars, you're always thinking like, you know, what's the smallest amount of money that, that, would, uh, that would get me going here? Yeah. And obviously you guys were destined for big things with extreme music. Um, but what was more uh, fascinating is that, you know, your partner, Mark, eventually had to invest more money. Oh. I think he knew that. Oh, I think he knew that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so because to grow, this was going to have to be an investment that continued to give. Yeah, right? and he was extreme. I mean, gosh, you, could, you know, to, to luckily meet someone that believed in you 100%. Yeah. And, 
you know, I don't think I, I would always go and say, hey, I've got this crazy idea. I need another yeah. 300,000. It. it was never a problem. And I don't think I ever wrote a business plan and never wrote a proposal. Right. Never, nothing on paper. People raise money, business plans do not. So, Mark, you, your partner, start creating incredibly cool tracks. Right. I mean, I have to go to now because the jump between what we're talking about and what extreme music is now is pretty amazing. And I'll say it because of, you know, from, from, from where I sit, I go to extreme music, which is this really cool library online. And you get there and it's, you know, your homepage has got like these featured composers. Right. It's got a new tracks, action tracks, uh, Latino tracks, all kinds of cool, any kind of music. And when I got there, I was a little confused because I was like, how do I do this? And then there was a search. So I started to think, well, maybe if I punch in dance music, it'll, you know, give me what I'm looking for. So I pushed in dance and like thousands of songs right. would, would show up. Right. Suggestions. And you can listen to them and you can grab them, put them in your list. Yes. Right. So that you can come back to them later or you make your list of songs that you want your editor to work from. And you say, go to my list and then he can just download them from there. Right. Now, that's not the end of it. This gets better. Right. This is like an info. <laughs> that's already convenient. That's already <laughs> convenient. Right. Well, you get in there, you decide what kind of music, Latin action, uh, drama. I remember there was this one scene where it was like people falling in love. It was the beginning of a romance. Uh -huh. Like they just met and I was like, how am I going to do this? So I literally went to the search engine and punched in new romance. Oh. Hundreds of songs oh, came of up, oh, right? We're so, so deeply into that. Yeah. So I started moving, <laughs> I started moving all my choices for the romantic song yeah. so that the editor, when he was cutting that sequence had a bunch of choices. I didn't choose the songs for him. I just chose the types of songs I liked. And then he went to my list and then, decided what worked for the scene best. Wow, that's great. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. So then you do that, you pick from whatever style, whatever it is, and then it says, you want more strings? You want more drums? Right. Like whatever, wow. whatever you feel like the scene needs or the music needs, you can add that to it, and then it gives you songs with those choices. Now... As if that wasn't enough, then you get into like, let's say I pick a song and I'm, I'm watching it in a scene. I'm like, oh man, if it just wasn't as driving, because you know, you have different choices. It gives you, it gives you a vocal track version. It gives you a no vocal track version. It gives you a no strings version. It gives you a no drums, no drums version. But if you want more automation, if you decide you want it to sound a certain beat or be a certain length, which by the way, is really important in our business right. to have it match the end of a sequence, right? To take the end and have it end a scene. Right. You could mix it, pick the pick the length of the thing, punch it in, and it remixes it for you and puts That's it together. Awesome. Yeah. Did wow. I get any of that wrong? Holy shit. What an interface. <laughs> Did I get and any that, of that wrong? There is the end of our abbot. No. Uh, no look, it's a, you know, first of all, you picked up on something very important to me on the other side of this, which is talking to our composers. Right. I'm constantly saying Focus on the end of this song. It's the most important really thing. Is. For editors will go to the end. How am I going to get out? How am I right. going to finish this? And they'll discount the song that they love if it's not great. So I'm glad that you, you picked that up. Um, look, innovation is so important for us. You know, the, this world is moving at crazy speed. And 
for us, we need to be plugged into our users, the people that are using the music and how they want to use it. So, you know, maybe five years ago, we started to develop this kind of online tool where you can remix the tracks, um, you can change the arrangement, and you can manipulate and essentially customize a piece of music. Um, and the reaction was crazy. Um, you know, we're, we're super lucky we've got people working within Extreme that just love the mission. Um, and because of that, what comes out of it is this kind of innovative company that, uh, you know, I, I, I luckily get to be at the forefront and take all the glory, but there's some incredible minds behind it. Yeah. We're the only ones that do that. We're leaps ahead in that technology, you know, and very proud of it. Well, that's not an easy thing to do. If you decided to go mix your own song, right. create a link to it yourself, it would exactly. be impossible. Because people who are putting the projects together already have enough on their hands. Right. Yeah. Something like this makes it, you know, so, so great. But for it's true. Who... If a song doesn't have an end, I don't, I don't choose it. Yeah. I because how am I going to, I can't write an end. Yeah, you can't resolve it. Absolutely. No, I have to have it end properly so that then... You can put it into your system, say I'd like it to be 98 seconds or whatever it's going to be, 60 seconds, whatever, and then it ends it properly. And then, you you know, you could fuss around with it, which I like. Yeah. And the challenge is doing that and still have it feel natural. You know, uh, fundamentally, at the start of all these tracks is talent. And it's a big reason why we feature our talent, and I think it sets us apart. And, you know, I like to think of ourselves as a label more of, than a production music yeah. library. But... You know, when you're briefing these guys that aren't used to working to those rules. Yeah. You know, pop producers just, you know, well, fade a track out and the fade can last for 15 seconds, 30 seconds. That's not useful to us. No. So so many projects now have wall-to-wall music. Yeah. People are used to it. I remember a time when you, as a producer, they'd be like, wait, there's way too much music. And now you can literally start a project and end a project and never have a gap. Right. That wasn't um, that wasn't something that can happen in the past. Right. But um, but the other thing I really like about what you guys are doing is you're working with real com- like there's real composers that are working on very very big projects, writing music on extreme music. That's right. For anybody, for any project, right? We're very lucky. Yeah. How did you do that? We care very deeply about it. Um, you know these the, the, this these talented people are trusting us with their copyrights and it's important to us that we only bring other material into the catalog that is of a certain level. Right. Um, you know, and, and, you know, big names are, you know, Hans, obviously Hans Zimmer, um, uh, Crikey, Snoop Dogg, Ronnie Jerkins, George, Sir George sadly passed away, but Sir George Martin, yeah. um, God, the list goes on. You know, so if I, if I'm a young producer doing a, small project i could literally go to extreme music and get hans zimmer's music on my you can absolutely thing. yes and not for insane amounts of money which it would cost me to hire someone like that's that, right but i can license a track that works for me yeah and i think our, our model as well is is is, is non-exclusivity so so you know our goal is yes it's affordable but from the composer side that track rather than being used on one project will be used on hundreds of projects therefore you know, everyone's got to live. Everyone's got to pay the rent, and, yeah. and and again, that's that's something else which is important to us that we share revenue with our composers. And oh, I don't do. know if you know a lot of no, a lot of, How a lot of companies work? don't. They they buy out the composers, right? And that's it for us. Every dollar that comes in the door, we share with our with our talent. And it was important for us to do that. 
right. um, you know, without it sounding like a hippie commune because it is a business, right? You can't continue to get existing talent to give you material right. and them to because they're the, they're our biggest A and R resource. They'll recommend right. it to their friends and right. Um, uh, you know, if 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 no one's making any money, that quickly stops. Yeah. Are you are you a worldwide company? We are a worldwide company. We like have, anywhere in the world, go online, you can get extremely anywhere for your in project. The world. That's have, pretty amazing. Yeah, we have. Um, crikey, what is it now? Seven, eight international offices, and then um, and then the online service means you can license it. In the world. Wow. Huge. Why huge. wasn't it? Why wasn't I? Why didn't I know about this? I should have gotten into a different business. You should have. We can still. We can still. This is silly. Yeah, I mean, you can clearly sell it. So well, now you know. There you go. Well, I, I can only sell it because I use. I've used it numerous right. times. Um, so let me ask you this: on the other side, let's mm-hmm. say there's a young composer out there, sixteen-year-old right. kid who's in his garage with all of his equipment and can play every instrument. Could that kid compose music for Extreme? Yes. Really. Absolutely. Wow, I didn't expect well, that answer. No, no, <laughs> so, well, no, here's how. If, if they're super talented. If they're super talented and they, for a young composer coming out, he's really got to look at the gap in the catalog. He's got to f- look at what we do and then find out what we don't have. And right. that's where it becomes attractive. We right. don't need, you know, another Hans Zimmer. Because, you know, so much stuff comes in that's just a clone of, mm-hmm. of Hans or right. Harry Gregson Williams or John Powell, or, right. you know, these big guys. Those guys are already doing it and doing it brilliantly. Yeah, but you know, occasionally we'll come across someone will send some stuff in that's so crazy or weird or different or and you'll be like this exciting. Is yeah, and and we love to be brave. I think that's something that we've always done is we love to take risks. Yeah, um, and and I think for any composer starting out, they should want to do that anyway. Right. They should want to have that create sound a new sound. Yeah, I mean, I know it sounds. I mean, gosh, you know, how do you create a new sound? But what you can do is specialize in something and become spectacular at it. Right. So many people will contact us or call us and go, you know, we'll say, well, what, you know, what, what do you do? And they'll go, well, you know, I can do anything. Right. That's oh, the problem. Geez, yeah, really? strike one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it <laughs> I'll really. I'll do it all. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Well, um, but, but uh, fortunately, we do get the occasional, you know. Super talented. Diamond in the rough. Yeah. Super talented. Yeah. People have. They never cease to amaze what they can do. Well, considering you're worldwide, I would imagine there's a lot of talent uh, that wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity. So that's cool. Um, About a couple of years ago, I went on the site to look for mariachi music. And I think only two things came up. Yes. It was like two selections. I was like, what? So all you music makers. Are- yeah. yeah. Right? Well, exactly. Yeah. No, well, you know, there wasn't a lot of Latin music in London. Right. And uh, it was just not in our consciousness. Right. And then I landed here and I was like, whoa, this, this, there might be something in this Latin Big. stuff. Yeah. Huge. And, and we have a new label that we've recently started called El Dorado, which just specializes in that. And then everything from Latin pop, Latin hip hop. Right to traditional mariachi and stuff, and it's all authentic. We won't take anything. This conversation gets more and more exciting because you and Hans have been composing for huge things. Right for the Simpsons, Planet Com- Earth Two, a Blue Planet. We're working on the. I can't talk about it, but then another one at the moment. Um, <laughs> Mars. Well, we did do the planets, yeah. which is uh, essentially Planet Earth for the solar right. system. Which um, did very well recently. But The Simpsons, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. It's a, there's a, 
That's a bit like handling the crown jewels, but yes. You know what I was amazed at? That Hans Zimmer was at Coachella. Performing, oh, yeah. And people loved it. We're going people crazy? Yeah, really? We're going crazy. They were He's crying at the Dark Lion King. Night, yeah. Inception. It was great. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, extreme music doing whatever it's doing, but then you have like this super exclusive. Well, we, we started a company about five years ago called Bleeding Fingers. And um, unlike extreme, it's a custom scoring so if um, I go to Bleeding Fingers, uh, then you guys sit down with me and we discuss and you, we show you picture and then you pic- score to picture. Exactly, yeah, that's right. We have a, uh, a team of very young, exciting um, new talent that comes through there. What was happening was, I don't know if you know that Hans has a, a, a facility with a bunch of studios in Santa Monica. No, I didn't know that. Um, um, he has four buildings, now five because Bleeding Fingers has a building. Um, there's, I think, approximately 50 studios in all on the campus. Wow. That's where Extreme's based as well. And all this great new young talent was coming through and, and starting their careers as assistants, working for right. these composers. And then there was nowhere for them to go, so they were leaving. So we wanted to create a, a, a vehicle to kind of, you know, harness that talent, right. accelerate it into the industry, provide support. And it's it's doing incredibly well. We're so now you guys than- are are – now you guys are – training them and taking the best of the best and turning them into composers. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a unique situation where we can spot great talent coming through as these assistants because they're all kind of co-writing or we'll, you know, we'll, we take them on because they're potential new talent. Um, and you can see the great ones and, you know, now we've got this great vehicle that they can kind of graduate into And, and, um, and we're providing amazing projects for them to work on. And, uh, it's obviously working because to get shows at the level that you're getting shows, have you been nominated for anything yet? We've got an Emmy nomination this year for Cats. What? Um, for, uh, so for Big Cats. For the this gets, I mean, And we right? have That's two huge. Emmy nominations previously, and we've had a couple of music and sound awards and... So that's how, that's how much the, the world has changed. That's how yeah. much our industry is constantly growing. There are filmmakers out there... There's TV producers out there that don't necessarily know about extreme music. They don't know about these libraries that you can go to to find music online. Or, like me, I wasn't that interested because I didn't think it was that that much quality. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to use, you know, someone who actually wrote the music. But you know what? You you can't. You don't always have the time for that. And the quality of the stuff that's being produced by extreme music by um, these other great composers that are coming to extreme music that you have uh, partnerships with is at the level of Emmy award winning and nominated music. So you can't, you're you're not going to beat that. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. I hate to sound like a commercial because this is not a commercial by the way. No, but you used it and you've seen how I used it many, many times. My wife has used it many, many times. My wife's the executive producer of Disney weddings. There you go. Joel. Hi. Jo- Wait a Joel guy, High. Does Joel High recommend guy. you? I don't know that he does recommend you guys. Oh really? Yeah, he was amazing. That's <laughs> I was listening to the podcast. He was. I'm going to say proactive. he does not recommend oh, you guys. If he does, I'm going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> you may need a I check. have pictures. Let's call him right now. I'm yeah. just kidding. He was very. Uh, he was very uh, complimentary of you guys. But I think the um, the the um, the amount of product being produced every year. Uh, the amount of uh, streaming services and the the availability of networks is huge. And that just means that more music is necessary. More cues are necessary. Oh. More composers are necessary. Can you just say that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think, I don't think you guys are going anywhere soon. You just keep growing. 
Um, it's fun that Sony is involved. Does that mean yeah. that you get, so, do you get any of their, uh, library? Did they add anything to extreme music when they bought you? Um, we do have access to some, some of the, the, um, the game scores that they do for PlayStation. Oh, cool. Um, and we've been able to help out in that area and get bringing those into the licensing. Um, but no, you know, pretty much, I mean, they've been a great partner. Um, 2008 was, was the, when we were acquired by Sony and they've been nothing but lucky but you, you get acquired during the crash. How lucky is that? <laughs> right. Holy <laughs> man. I know we're very lucky. lucky. And they were great. Yeah. I, I got to rub you for luck. Yeah. I got, <laughs> I rubbed man. me for luck. Yeah. Actually. Right. Shoot. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> one of the last things I want to ask you is, uh, you know, Considering you're growing so much, my, my wheels are turning. What if there was a television show, kind of like American Idol, where, you know, these new composers are writing music for extreme music? I don't know. There, there's got to yeah. be a show in there somewhere. Yeah, look, I, you know, I mean, obviously, we do it every day, so we take it for granted. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Stranger things have happened. Yeah. Our, um, you could have, like, three guys score the same, like, clip and yeah. see who's better or something. Yeah. Now you're talking that we did run. We ran a contest with SoundCloud um, at the start of Bleeding Fingers. Hans wrote a theme, and the SoundCloud community were invited to kind of reimagine it and remix it and recompose it. And it was great. We found some incredible talent. And the guy that actually won that contest is now one of our composers. Really? Yeah. So, can composers on extreme music make a great living? Can they buy houses? Oh, yeah. I have to be careful here. (laughs) But no, no, absolutely. There are people in the space. I mean, you know, I think you saw there's a there's a Forbes article that says there's two billion dollar business. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. So so then you get in there and you become someone that fills these gaps and and you're and uh, people start. I mean, I'm, as a producer, I do favor certain libraries right. on extreme music, um, but there's so much that I don't look at. Like there's punk rock. There's a big punk rock sort of contingent on extreme music. Yes. There's a big like grunge sort of contingent which yeah. is cool and i think that's for the skateboarding shows and yeah and there's i mean there's everything. there's everything you know there's no there's no music we won't go near yeah um, um are you are you planning on having are you are you going to come back and and do music and have your own band someday or is that over um it's a it's very interesting that you say that. i mean i still compose obviously i don't get much time to do it now but i do still compose for extreme Mm-hmm. And the same rules apply, and it's great. I still don't have to have a hit record, and I don't have to sleep in the back of the bus, um, <laughs> which is which is the luxury of it, yeah. really. Um, we do have a house band, which I'll send you an invite to our next show called Courtesy Flush. Do you um, play? You, wait a minute. Do you play in this house band? Oh yes. Oh okay. Yeah. Cool. I guess uh, I guess that was <laughs> that was the question. Okay, good. So uh, you are so you are still playing music for yourself. I would invite you to the Halloween party. That's we'll exciting. Get a full eyeful of that. That's awesome. Yeah, you may need. Yeah, I don't think you can unsee it. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I know Joel had some questions. Maybe we'll have you back on one day. We can talk more. Love to uh, with a music supervisor who knows what he's talking oh. about. But um, is there anything we didn't cover that you want us to know about extreme? No, music? I think you. Uh, this is quite the operation. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to take all of this, and it's going to be my new ad. I'm going to find <laughs> everyone that works in the marketing department can go home now. That's, that's right. Just cut this one up yeah. and turn it into your next year's campaign. That's amazing. Um, I when I had Joel on the show and we talked about it, it was uh, organic. It just sort of came out that we talked about extreme music, and then I thought, why don't I send this podcast to extreme music and um, 
see what they think. Yeah. And I literally went to your site and went down to information contact and, to, and just and, sent it wow. to anybody. And the great thing is someone immediately got back to me and goes like, Hey, thanks for sending the podcast. Uh, we'll send it over to somebody. We'll, uh, we'll get back to you. They got back to me. You know what? We love the podcast. Russell would love to be on. And I was like, really? Yeah. That was very cool. No, you I'm guys. subscribing. I love what you're doing. Thank uh, you. I'm a big fan of podcasts anyway. Yeah. And this, so just, said, and this yeah. is right in the zone. Well, look, we're big fans of Extreme Music. I wish you a ton of, of continued success. I think there's a lot of value in what you're doing, and I think now it's just super obvious. I, I know it wasn't when you started, but now where we're headed, the amount of content that the world needs, all that content needs it music. It all needs a soundtrack. It all needs a soundtrack. So, uh, you know, continued success. Um, I know that you're going to do extremely well in your life. Hopefully you can kick down to some of us uh, <laughs> indies down mm, there. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm really not sure. But, uh, but will you come back and talk to us I would love to come back, yeah. As things grow? Yeah, if you get desperate, just call me. Yeah, well, well, we'd love to have you back. I know Tootie would like to talk to you and add you yep. to whatever he's doing. Yeah, of course. great. Um, and... Um, well, thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Let's Get Into It. Awesome, thank you.